This isn't my TARDIS. Looks a lot... Uh, colorful, if I say so. Oh, I like the books. I wonder if my younger self has grown up at last. Well, I should hope so. Ah. So you're the latest model, hmm? What are you doing here, my TARDIS? What you just heard is the amazing voice acting talents of Chris Walker Thompson. I first found Chris on YouTube back in 2015, or maybe even a bit before. We have talked off and on ever since. And I gotta say, I'm really proud of this boy. He's come a long way, voice acting and otherwise. And perhaps if you're listening to this, you're also a witness to it. But enough of my boring, uninteresting voice. I'll let him tell you himself. Oh my giddy aunt. So you're a connoisseur of television. You know, like, you know great things. It's a pleasure to finally be talking to you, finally hearing your voice, not in a podcast that's pre-recorded, although, I mean, this podcast is recorded, but I'm yeah. hearing your voice live. And yours, and yours. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess we'll just get right into it. Uh, how old were you when you first got interested in voice acting? Um... Um, I well, I went professional only about four years ago, or three or four years ago. But I've always done voices since I was very little. Uh, when I was uh, used to play with toys, I used to give one each one a sort of different voice, and uh, I think that's about as far as I've worked out how far it goes back to. So very little, sort of able to speak, uh, sort of age, and. Um, and then just followed it in school, doing impressions and things, and doing things as a hobby ever since, and uh, eventually now going professional only three or four years ago. So what inspired you to go professional and try voice acting as a profession? Um, it only really came about, uh, came about um, from... Well, I was doing sort of fan-produced uh, things, so sort of just making various... Uh, things anyway I was doing sort of uh, I did want to go professional but I didn't have uh, some of the things you require you you would need to have it's that argument of uh, needing experience but also you need experience to get experience it's a really weird one so uh, after a point of just uh, it was just a, a lucky break that someone asked me to do an audiobook for them and uh as they were willing to pay me, I had to go professional to do it, and uh, yeah, so I've been doing so I'm doing a lot more paid work over the last three or four years than um, beforehand. But is it? Yeah, it's been trying to get that first break to say, oh, I'm actually a professional now. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the first voices that you did? I mean, just for fun and professionally. Um, <laughs> I think one of the first.
first things I've st- I gave uh, like I said I give my like my teddy bears and uh, various toys uh, a voice and uh, my uh, I had a Snoopy and I didn't really know what Charlie Brown was or anything like that and obviously later found out he never spoke uh, but uh, I used to oh, I can't I can sort of do what I, the inflection I would have done like uh, but my voice is so much deeper now. But I used to do a sort of um, a voice like that or something like that. But it was obviously much more high pitch and everything. And um, I don't know why I gave him that voice. It just seemed to fit. And then, as my dad pointed out later on, it sounded like Pee Wee Herman. So, <laughs> ah! um, <laughs> um, other voices. Um, professionally, I think um, I love doing Patrick Troughton. Um, I just I don't know. I just love doing any voice that people don't instantly recognise that it's me. That's the main thing. <laughs> Don't like to be recognized with your own voice. <laughs> well, I like to. I like to be. You know, I like the idea that if someone listens to it and go, "Oh, it was you who did that," <laughs> and uh, then I can sort of show to the people. I like uh, doing something different. Or if I do, um, it's that. I suppose it's that actor conundrum of you want to do a good enough job that people either they both notice you and don't notice you. Um, <laughs> it's a, a weird cycle. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I like to try and put on voices that don't sound like me just to show that I can pretend to be other people. That is, yeah. and, an act- and, and you do a acting, good job at in it. an acting profession, of course, not a fraudulent activity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you do a good job of it, the acting, not the fraudulent activity. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what drew you to Patrick Troughton in particular? I don't, I've always seemed to relate to him in a way. You know, he was not my first doctor, and um, um, he's a close. If he's not the, my favourite, he's my close second actually. But uh, I always quite enjoyed him. Uh, strangely, um, I thought he was. It was quite quirky. He uh, always. He's about the same height as me as well, so that, uh, I suppose in my head I was thinking, well, if I ever got to play him, I'd be the right height for him. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, I just, uh, I also found his voice very hard to do, and that sort of hooked me into wanting to do it. And uh, I, yeah, so that's a good, I think I found out it was about maybe five, possibly six years since I started practicing his voice, and I, I still don't think it's done. <laughs> so it's uh but yeah it was it was that challenge to just do a Patrick Trout voice and um as someone told me fairly recently I've got the monopoly on it because no one else seems to be able to uh, can do it uh, uh, apparently or uh, they they say I oh, I'm not Chris Thompson which is a uh, or Chris Walker Thompson's my new name is but um I I find that bizarre because <laughs> I just still feel like I'm practicing as if I just started it it is a very hard voice to do, and I do think you have a, a monopoly on it. Um, what are your favorite doctors? You can list a, a few. I won't ask you for your favorite. Very difficult to choose a favorite one, because uh, I like them all for different reasons. Uh, the latest one I'm still yet to decide on. I'm waiting for another series to see if that really if that convinces me. But um, other than that, I just... I don't know if Trout's up there. John Pertwee is uh, my probably my favourite because I think he was, he was the first Doctor I saw, and um, sort of was captivated by him. And I think his period area was his era was 
probably the best um, out of them, uh, quite the strongest. And uh, I don't know, just like just like all of them, really. Um, there's not much apart from, as I say, uh, Jodie Whittaker. I'm still waiting for. I like her, but I haven't quite got the uh, love as I do for the others yet. But hopefully that will come. I I'm a bad Doctor Who fan. I have not watched the Jodie Whittaker uh, series yet, just because. Uh, well, they don't have. I don't have BBC America anymore, and it's quite expen. Ah. It's quite expensive to pay ah. for the whole series. But I will. I will. Sh- I will surely buy it when I get a chance. I'd wait till the wait till the second series comes out, <laughs> so it's, uh, and then then you might have uh, more decent ones to watch. <laughs> I wasn't particularly blown away by uh, this series, which is uh, I I regret to say. Aww. It's a shame, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't think I think it's got it's on the cusp of something great, but it just didn't quite reach. But hopefully, that's what first season was meant to do. Uh, second season, they can improve upon it. So we'll find out. Definitely, I think that's definitely true, especially with, uh, is it, it, it the new writer at the helm? It's not. Uh... Um, I the strange really because I actually quite rate um, uh, Chris Chibnall as a writer. Um, I don't think he's quite got the, he's got a formula to his Doctor Who stories uh, in this season, which I'm not particularly uh, liking. Um, but the one thing I will give is that it does give some of the characters a bit more of a third dimension than they have in some recent years. So there's always pluses, but I think in terms of things, I don't think he's a strong enough. Uh, he needs to sort of delegate the writing opportunities because the guest writers have been better than mm. him <laughs> this season. But, you know, he may surprise us in the next run. We don't know. Right, and you're always growing as a writer. So how many... Mm. Doctor Who impressions do you do? I know you do Patrick Troughton. Do you do, uh... I know you do Peter Capaldi. Yes, uh, Peter Capaldi with a cold, uh, as someone told me. <laughs> uh, as if he needs, a uh, cough medicine. <laughs> um, which, uh, yeah, that's fine. I did do, um, Matt Smith for a time. Somewhat. Um, nowhere near Jake Dubman's level, but, uh... <laughs> Uh, what else is there? Tenant I used to be able to do a while ago. I, I don't think I can do many others. So the, the other ones I could do sort of vague impressions of them. But one of the things I did, some, uh, quite, some of the most very strange, obscure uh, voices from the series, which no one would immediately jump to, like uh, monsters, uh, some monsters. Uh, I used to do the Ice Warriors. <laughs> from, if only on the and uh, Yes. And also, uh, my favourite one is uh, <coughs> Sla from um, Seeds of Death, um, where he just spars off against Patrick Travis. You sent a signal from Earth. We sent up a satellite. That signal has sent your fleet into a force orbit. Oh, the heat of the sun will kill them. You have destroyed our entire fleet. And something like that. <laughs> and just random very random things that only some very few people will listen and go I know that reference (laughs) (laughs) what are some of your favorite impressions then to do for Doctor Who I've had to do Buff Troughton 
um, as with Capaldi. Um, well, I did do, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Graham from the, the latest series, which won't mean much to you because you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, I did do, um, <laughs> um, there was uh, Dan Starkey's uh, Sontaran, so all the, all the Strax uh, type voices. Yeah. Human scum, you know, sort of things like that. Uh, just various random odd, odd sorts of. So. I used to be able to do a Cyberman once upon a time. Which just sounds like Nick Briggs holding his nose together. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what outside of Doctor Who is some of your favourite impressions to do? Um, I'm not sure how popular he is over in the in the US, but um, but uh, over here we've got a, a fantastic... Steve Coogan plays uh, Alan Partridge. Have you come across? I I have not really watched Alan Partridge, but I know he's um, I know of him from your podcast. Uh, and uh, I've I've <laughs> spent a little bit of time in the UK, but I I didn't really get to watch a whole lot of TV while I was there. Oh, I see. Yeah, no. Partridge is one of someone who he does on and off bits. Uh, it's a fantastic character. He's a parody of. Uh, uh, TV presenters, um, who's down on his luck and he's not very good, and uh, he he just is the most cringe-worthy uh, presenter. And he, and he talks like that, so he's uh, so, so I tend to do. He's the most easiest one to slip into, and uh, I uh, I love doing that because he just comments on everything, and I can just apply it to wherever I am. And it gets a good laugh from people whenever I do, <laughs> just because he's. <laughs> Because anything, if Alan Partridge says it, it's, uh, it sounds all right. Um, um, I suppose it's uh, Michael Caine. That's, uh, that's a good bunch of jobs. Because one day, um, I don't know, this is, I always just start with that, one day. <laughs> and it just stays with that. Um, trying to think about the ones I do. Um, there's going to be the two that jump off my head at the moment. Other ones just tend to come out like randomly. Like if I watch something long enough, I start to recognise it. Like in a, I've been watching Game of Thrones lately, so I've had, um, uh, I've had uh, every time we're watching it, I sort of uh, me and my brother will do a commentary over it as we're talking because we, we've seen it before. So we're just watching it, catching up before the new one. And uh, now and again, um, like if there's a character that pops up, I'll just do so I do a little finger who talks like that sometimes. Um, and uh, I think Tyrion Lannister just going, My oh is so small, or something like that. <laughs> you know, things like that. Well, just, I just any voice just sticks in my head. It's, it's just, I, and then I don't even realise I can do it or even remotely attempt it until suddenly it just comes out. And I go, oh, okay. well. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just kind of how voices kind of work because even when you are listening to an accent so much, you kind of just mm. slip into that accent after hearing it for so long, or at least I do. I don't know about yeah. others. Yeah. It's, um, well, I do, um, when I work in a, uh, in a call center as well. So I, uh, so we take a lot of, uh, phone calls from, uh, various people in the UK with accents 
So you've got, you know, you've got your northern and, and then you've, and then you've got your, your Scottish fellas who call up, you know, it's great stuff. Um, and you've got the Irish and something like that. And, um, yeah, no, I've been trying to work on, well, my, uh, my US. I've been trying to work on that for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've been told that that's a hard one to do for just anybody besides people that are American. Yeah, there were some, there were some actors and, uh, they will put it on and you're like, I don't believe you, but there are a couple of, there are a couple of exceptions, I think, which is Hugh Laurie, who plays House, mm-hmm. blew, every, I think he blew everyone's mind with that, mm-hmm. and, um, an actor called, um, Damien Lewis, who was in Homeland. I think they're the only two that have ever succeeded in doing it flawlessly. <laughs> I find it. I, I um, wouldn't. Uh, I've always found it quite odd that the very few American actors that can actually put on a British accent without going into a yeah. Oh, I, I really blimey, that, you know, uh, sort of Yeah, I, I find that really strange as well, because yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I really know why, but I. I don't. I find it easy to go into an accent. I. I won't attempt it here because I will come off sounding really bad. But uh, people, when I was in the UK, used to think, didn't know I was American. And then when I would ask for, like, an explainer, I'm like, well, what's this? And they were, they'd be like, well, you, you don't know. I'm like, no, this is a British word. I'm not British. Yeah, I just, something, something's not, didn't they? Like, if I, uh... Because I know there's so many different areas of the U.S. to do. I mean, uh, some of them just come in the forms of impressions. I mean, one of them was, uh, I've been watching Cheers a lot last year. So it was uh, John Ratzenberger, who also voices Ham and loads of Pixar characters. And uh, just, uh, just started talking like that. That's about, about as far as it went. <laughs> um, sort of things like that. And uh, But when I, w- I went out to Detroit last year, and um, I... Uh, I felt like I'd like to give it, a, you know, to try and see can I pick it up from just listening to people, but it ended, I'd ended up just not doing that and sounding probably more British than I thought even I said I sounded. It was like I was uh, like I even started to speak posher than I would do if I was at home, and uh, just because I, I just don't know, it was a weird, weird conundrum. Yeah. I'd be interested if I stayed over there for an extended period of time and came mm. back to see if I could just slip into it so easily or if it would be extremely difficult or if I'd end up just sounding, like you said, more British uh, than before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like a, there are other areas in America. You Obviously, you know, you've got your gut deep. Deep South, uh, sort of thing, Avenue, and uh, you know, New York is a different accent completely. Boston, uh, and California, yeah. There's not. Yeah. I, I've, I feel like uh, most areas are losing their accent, but there's a few that have uh, kept kept it very strong. I mean, you go to the Deep South, you go to. You got the Deep South. Yeah. yeah everyone just talks that they don't like. They're sort of really like dragging out every word. <laughs> it's long uh, southern drawl. And it's yeah. like, I had one lady, I was in Alabama, 
And one, I was, uh, we were at, like, a fast food restaurant, and I had to ask her to repeat herself, like, four times, because she had just such a thick southern accent that I didn't know what she was saying, and she seemed quite annoyed with me, but I'm just, I was like, you have got to enunciate. I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, I have, uh, yeah. the only time I really experienced that in the UK is with Welsh when I was in, what, when I was in Wales, I was like, oh, oh, I don't, un- oh, they like to, yeah, they like to talk a bit funny over there. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a, they've got a very weird accent. Uh, no, 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 it's going to complete something. Oh, different. <laughs> um, no, I was, I was <laughs> You're right, mate. I'm just, no, I'm going into complete something. I can't do it now. Yep. <laughs> now, I used to do an impression of Rob Brydon. Who was, he was the only person who could do... He, he sort of talks like that a little. There we go. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as far as the Welsh goes with me. Um, and uh, Yeah, that's a weird one. We have other places. Birmingham is... Uh, in it. Well, there's one place, uh, first of all, Liverpool, which uh, obviously home of the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, the Beatles, and um, they, uh, they, the, their accent over there is, uh, well, you're, you're right, mate. You know, it's, it's almost like they're coughing off phlegm. You can't even understand it. <laughs> you know, now I've gone into Scottish, but um, the then you've got Birmingham, which sounds to me like they're just learning. They've just discovered they've known how how to speak, and they're surprised by what they're saying. <laughs> so you know, they just start talking like that, so I'm like. Don't even seem to realise. <laughs> it's a really weird voice. I don't. I don't. I love Birmingham, but it's uh, it, they're very weird accents. But, uh, and I'm from a sort of uh, just outside London, uh, but it was more East London. So I, I should be talking a bit like that, really, a bit, you know, down the uh, real sort of like Cockney sort like that. Uh, but I'm not. Uh, I have no inkling, inkling of that accent at all, <laughs> and I don't know why. And I've grown up in. Essex and uh, and sort of outside London for all my life. <laughs> Have you found that over time you feel like people are losing their accents and kind of sounding more um, just standard? There's a standard t- t- way of talking. Yeah, they, I, I think that is true in some areas. Some people uh, do sort of uh, branch away from their accents a bit. I, I mean, I. I definitely must have done. I can't recall ever being told I sounded like I was from the area. But there are, I think, it, yeah, I think it's, um, it varies. You do get some people who stick to their roots and things like that, and they're always going to be there. But I think most people tend to move around a lot, so they tend to either merge accents or become what a neutral accent. I don't know. Now, do you feel like your voice has changed since you've done impressions? Has it kind of change the way you talk? Yeah. Um, it was one of the feedback... One, well, one bit of feedback I had for Patrick Trout when I started was... Uh, it's from um, Nick Briggs from um, Big Finish, who uh, he, he offered some advice. He's Because he's, he's a trained actor. So he's uh, been in theatre and things like that and uh, been taught what is called received pronunciation. Or received pronunciation, which is... Uh, 
basically the BBC only had one type of voice that they would allow on the telly, on the television, which was this, something very posh, something very formal, and they wouldn't have it any other way. And so they trained actors to speak that, um, and because that was the standard. They, it wasn't until many years later that they actually allowed regional accents on the telly, on the news, on the television. So, uh, uh, he's, so anyway, he sent me a thing saying um, Patrick Troughton very much was uh, one of these actors who was trained to speak in RP. So I said, all right, okay, thank you for that. And so I ended up working on it and sort of sorting out my punctuation a bit better. And uh, I... Uh, it took a little while to get used to some things because I, I suppose that's where my it does show that I do have some roots to where I live because I was never tr- brought up to talk like that or to be uh, in any way formal uh, such. Uh, so I sort of uh, no, it was a good thing. So I do do sort of learn things like that, and especially with the accents as well. It's a uh, you know, it's a nice learning curve. Well, that's that's cool. I would love to learn how to. It's like training your voice. It's awesome. It is. It, it, it's it's all about the positioning of it of the mouth as well, and uh, sort of where you put it. I, I think I think I heard one voice actor. I follow a lot of uh, Rob Paulson and uh, Talking Tunes, and uh, one of the actors they had on there, I can't remember who it was, said uh, there's a sort of sweet spot if you can you can sort of manipulate your voice to which part it comes out or how it comes out. And yeah, like you say, you train it and to sort of allow for those type of voices and it hits that sweet spot, they call it. And uh, some voices uh, stick like that. Trout and I sort of, yes, I suppose he's sort of uh, has that touch to him. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when you're, what opportunities have you gotten to? with doing impressions like who have you gotten to work with um um well fairly recently it's only just come out but uh, a couple of years ago we recorded a tom baker audio which has just come out uh um, called uh, the comic strip adaptations and i got to work with uh, tom baker not doing impressions but it was because my impressions and that got the attention of uh, Big Finish and, and so on, and uh, then when a role came up, they said uh, they invited me in, and um, so I've got to work with Tom Baker, which was fantastic. Um, one time, I, I on a fluke did uh, uh, Peter Capaldi for a, vi- a, co- a competition entry, and uh, the guy won. So I didn't technically get to work with Peter Capaldi, but I got to meet him as a result of my mate winning the competition so I got to meet him um, just uh, I suppose all things like that really uh, the convention circuits and things uh, I do I do a lot of comedy stuff with them and um, yeah just a it's amazing actually and John Coleshaw as well uh, who's a renowned impressionist um, I'm not, uh, where, are you aware of him over there um, uh, I am not. I am not, but I'm. I don't know a whole lot about voice actors. Um, I know. I know Doctor Who, and I know. Um, I talk about Mel Blanc quite a lot, but that is about it. Yeah. Well, John Coleshaw is a. Uh, he's a very talented 
impressionist um, and uh, based in the UK and he's been doing things for years he's a massive Doctor Who fan and um, uh, I watched him on the telly when I was uh, about 12, 13, 14 I think uh, when I was at, still at school and uh, I started doing impressions because I saw him doing them on there and uh, well in the last couple of years I've actually been uh, we we got to meet he wanted to meet me and uh, we've been good friends since and uh, he came to my birthday wow that's <laughs> yeah. cool so it's, it's amazing so yeah it's it's amazing that all this comes from just doing impressions uh uh a lot of a lot of things you know rewards that come a lot later but it's uh no it's nice that i did that wow that's really cool so when you won the uh, Mission Dalek competition, how long did you uh, get to spend with Peter Capaldi? What did you, um, what did you get um, to do? Uh, well, uh, first of all, we had to go down to Cardiff to the studio, um, and we got there. And uh, first time I actually met my mate, who I did the voice thing for as well. So it was a nice sort of day that I got to meet him and meet Peter Capaldi. Yeah, we got there, and they said. Welcome to the TARDIS. Um, you've got an hour. Make yourself a home. Do what you like. And they let us run around, touch things. Um, and uh, just play around in this massive playground, and uh, uh, which is a whole 360-degree set. So you, I did laps in it. I ran around it. Uh, it, was, it was great. And um, Peter then turned up um and uh, i think for a very quick meet and greet he just finished he, well i don't think he finished i think he was on his break uh filming um across the lot uh for the new for the christmas special which was the husbands of river song um he was just filming that and uh across the lot so he was in his costume and then he had to dash off but <laughs> uh, so we got a nice uh, little photo with him and uh and uh, yeah, my friend recorded me speak to him in Peter Capaldi's voice. <laughs> Just promptly says, oh, this is Chris. He does the voice of my video. And then, then suddenly he goes, well, go on then, do it. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I still maintain it's the worst attempt at the voice I've ever done in my life. Well, he was impressed. I've seen the video. He was impressed. So... He was, yeah. I didn't know until after I watched the video back. Before that, I didn't think that i thought he was just humoring yeah and, uh, didn't but watching the video back i was like oh thank god you recorded it because i would have would have never believed it yeah day. yeah <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> i watched it back in slow motion i thought oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so is it easier to do a doctor who peter capaldi or a malcolm tucker peter capaldi um i think actually well it, but when he began, I started. I did more Malcolm Tucker because Malcolm Tucker, he was more established for when he came into mm -hmm. the, <laughs> being the Doctor. Uh, but since then, he's obviously lightened the load, and he's just become the Doctor. I, I sort of feel like it now feels wrong to swear with his voice, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> which is uh, strange. Uh, it's given strange, that I but it, it, but it's it was so fun to. Malcolm Tucker is just such a fun character to swear in. You can gives yeah. you the freedom to swear. 
<laughs> oh yes, absolutely. And uh, I still, you know, rewatch it now and again. I just think it, it, it it's a it's masterclass of swearing as well. I mm-hmm. think I don't think anyone particularly swears better than he does in that in that series. <laughs> um, some people just don't deliver the f word or or the c word or any word <laughs> quite with the fer- the fer- uh, ferociousness of Malcolm Tucker, which is a uh, hard to oh, it's just unmatched. <laughs> oh. I know that people familiar with this uh, series wanted it to, his catchphrase, I mean, obviously he couldn't, but be like, yeah. f- just like, f***ity. Yeah. Uh, there, was, there was that one line that was close. And yeah. Shuttity up, up, yeah. up. Yeah, shuttity <laughs> up, up, up. Yep. And everyone was like, oh. That's, that's the closest you're going to get it. for a kid's that's show. It. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you get recognized uh, to get the attention of Big Finish? Uh, through the Patrick Trown stuff. Uh, they were very impressed by it. Uh, me and uh, my uh, co-writer at the time was uh, uh, Benji Clifford, who uh, he, after doing, I think it was our second story, Freedom of the Daleks, um, which we still maintain is the best thing we've done, um, that got such a big reaction online, um, and that was only our second outing of doing it, and it got such a huge, huge response. Um, it got the attention of everyone, and uh, Nick Briggs was uh, enjoyed it, um, really liked it, and uh, Big Finish offered uh, Benji an audition to edit, uh, because he, he sent it to them saying, look, I'd love to be an editor, can I do this? sent off uh, an audition and he got the job and he's been editing almost all the releases well I say not almost all the releases there are there are other editors um, <laughs> but he's uh, he has edited sort of things like uh, Doom Coalition uh, Ravenous Time War um, Survivors other things like that and um, but because of that audio that not just only got it got him attention but also got me attention as well they were like this is really, really good. They were very impressed with how it was made. They felt like it was one of their, an actual big finish, which it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but the, the one th- we were sort of stuck at a bit of an impasse in a way, because um, they already had someone doing Patrick Trown, which is uh, Fraser Hines, who played Jamie in mm-hmm. the series. Um, Trown's uh, psychic. And uh, he's loves doing it. And uh, he, I think he considered it a bit of a threat to him uh, that I was doing these. So, um, and I've tried to explain to him it's not the case. I do. Um, I, 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 the last thing I want is Jamie McCrimmon to hate me. So, uh, but anyway, Big Finish wouldn't. Um, they said uh, we don't want to kick Fraser out. I said, well, no, don't, don't kick Fraser out. I wouldn't want the job if you kicked Fraser out. That would be ridiculous. Um, so we were stuck in that sort of impasse of. He didn't want to stop, and uh, so they would never sign me on as Troughton. However, they said, we'll keep you in mind if anything else comes up. And after about a year, they eventually did, which was nice. That is nice. And is that the one where you worked with Tom Baker? That's the one, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I haven't uh, been invited back. Uh, I, I hope to at some point. Mm-hmm. Um we shall see, 
Um, but uh, if any, yeah, I was quite nervous those days. Naturally so. It was Tom Baker in the room. It was my first sort of big acting gig in a while. Um, if I could revisit that day, I'd play it a lot calmer. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, well, look, it was two days, but, you know, maybe it's, but I've, I've come a long way since then. So hopefully they can invite me back. Please invite me back. I want to come back. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you'll come back. Don't know when, but I'm I'm betting you'll come back. (laughs) Thank you, Amber. I hope so. (laughs) You've also done, like, a video of impersonations for the Doctor Who fan show. Um, Yes. Did that... How did that come about? Um... I'd like to say it was something more than uh, the fact that Crystal knew me. Um, we're friends. Uh, <laughs> it, it probably was. Uh, <laughs> I got, um, yeah, I got asked by Crystal if they wanted to interview me uh, for the fan show, and uh, that sat in their hard drives for maybe a year. Um, they didn't get to use it because they went with something else. Um, and then one day uh, they were doing. Um, a a video an episode set at uh, the big finish day in in 2000 I'm going to say 16 um and um I was there in attendance and uh they interviewed they said well why are you here Chris why don't we interview you and uh they interviewed uh, Benji as well um because he was there obviously and um yeah no it was it was a, it was a quite a nice surprise I was very hung over on the day uh, when they interviewed me, and I still look half asleep in the interview, but uh, but they said after that interview, they said, well, actually, we have the other channel which we have to put something on. Uh, we might as well put that video that we never used a view on. Okay, yeah, right, okay. So yeah, I've got uh, that was my sort of moment there uh, on the BBC channel, and uh, yeah, that was exciting. That that is exciting. So did you? Was there a point? that you noticed that people were starting to reach out to you more and follow you your your career a little bit more and it comes in sort of weird bouts of it uh sometimes that people would still discover the things that I've done f- 3 or 4 years ago and I still and I get messages uh every now and then or comments um but uh I suppose yeah after Freedom of the Daleks came out, definitely after the fan show. Um, they were very excited when uh, Big Finish came about. Um, a few things. It's, it's been quite sporadic. They uh, sort of come here in different bouts and things. And usually, it, it, all it takes, it, what I suspect is sometimes that one person finds the video, shares it, and then before you know it, their friends or click like and follow it a message and then then it just and it and it does it goes on those sort of things it's every now and again sometimes there's a there's a period where people just discover something they haven't seen before and uh, that and uh, so yeah it varies over those years oh i i feel like doctor who fans are very eager to support other people in their in the doctor who fandom yeah, it's um, what is it's uh, I think someone pointed this out to me. Uh, they said um, 
I can't remember who said it. Um, someone said that they um, th- that they were really proud of me when the Tom Baker story came out. Because, oh yeah. Uh, they they were so proud because they'd known of me for many years, followed probably fo- uh, through following all the stuff I post online, etc. And they just they said because uh, you know you you came from just doing the fan stuff and just doing all the, all the years just doing these little things and there you are with Tom with Tom Baker it must be and they're, they're just, not just were they proud they were sort of uh, found in they, they said uh, I don't like an ego so I'm sort of uh, right. shy away from it I'm like right them and they I'll, said uh, I'll do it, f- say it was, I'll do sorry. it for I'll do it for you I think everybody was proud of you. Uh, everybody that uh-huh. follows you, uh, I know I was. I was uh, flip, flipping out for you. So, because uh, yeah, I feel like there have been a lot of people that have followed you for a long time, and they know that like this is a bucket list type thing for you. Mm, yeah, it, it's. Someone actually, someone did say uh, that, that I was an inspiration to them because they, because uh, of of the, my journey to get to this point, and uh, I said, really, <laughs> I, st- I still feel like I'm in, back at stage one. Um, still, uh, I'm sort of pinch myself knowing that these, um, well, these things uh, have happened, and you know, potentially other things could happen, uh, and I just. I find it bizarre that anyone would be inspired by me, but that's just me. That's just me and my auto sort of defensiveness of uh, willing to ex- accept compliment because I always think there's a. Uh, I, I I just don't like it. I just can't do the ego thing. I don't like it. I don't want to. I don't want to be that person who goes, "Oh yes, well, of course, of course, you would uh, you would say that, wouldn't you?" Um, and I just I, I I yeah I shy away, which is why I'm now rambling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're fine, cause like I I I get it, cause like you are with you every 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 day, and <laughs> so it's it's like really, uh, but it's just you know to everyone else, it's kind of like dr- gradually watching like you're putting out more things and your career has slowly uh, advanced and. It's it's gotten to that point where you have been able to work with Big Finish and work with, uh, or n- maybe not work with people, like, right next door. Like, they're not there all the time, but you've met Tom Baker, you've met Peter Capaldi, and it's not, uh, it's not so distant and far away. It's, it's just, it just amazes me. I just never... Well, I just never expected it, and uh, it's it's weird because uh, like if I go to a convention, um, I get someone who comes up asking to uh, have a photo with me, and I was like, well, really? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. If anything, you want the voice, and uh, <laughs> um, so it's that I'm 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 getting better at it, Alex. That's excessive, but I'm still not as comfortable as I as. Uh, I don't want to be. I suppose I'd start, I suppose that's the best. The way I see it is I don't want to be comfortable with it because I find people who are very comfortable with it are either very egotistic or the perfect person. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, people that are comfortable with it, it's 
it's a little off-putting. Uh. Yeah, I don't shy. I, I, I don't uh, like go and say no. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. I'm not good. You know, sort of thing. So it's ne- never like that. But it's more of a, a case of. I don't know. I don't feel like I've done enough to warrant the, uh, the you know, the level of support that I get or the f- fans, which is, uh, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> it feels weird ever saying that. My brother says, you've got your, your fans, haven't you? you know, I find it weird when <laughs> to say that, but yeah, I guess I do. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't, yeah, you get what I mean. I do, I'm, 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 I suppose I might be too humble as such. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I, I think, I think it's just that you've worked at it. You have talent, and you've worked at it, and so I think people really admire that. That you, you're not like, you're not, um, you know, fa- famous like in, as a, high paid actor or anything, but you are achieving achieving yeah. just by working on your talents. So I think I think that's what's relatable and what's people can really latch on to that hard work pays off even if even if you are not attaining like movie star level attention. Yeah. Yeah, well actually I said this to my I was talking to my agent about it. They were talking about what type of roles would I be suited for and I said uh I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm not really sure that visually I work as a as a leading man, um, but someone who's just you know, like either the the friend of the leading man or or something like that. Uh, basically, in a sense, and I did joke about this to a friend. I said basically someone who is famous but not famous enough that anything they tweet is likely to cause headlines or controversy <laughs> you know like uh I'm, I'm, it's quite nice just to be someone who does work <laughs> who's who, who does not massive parts but a small part that you go well that really if he tweets that he doesn't like a program he's not going to be a problem <laughs> you know <laughs> it's <laughs> i i find that's uh basically so i won't get lynched by a social media mob i suppose which, which is uh which is nice it's a nice humble collection of uh, of fandom, I suppose. Is uh, <laughs> people to go, oh, you did that Tom Baker story once. <laughs> <laughs> Not, uh, yes. oh, it's like if I, the amount that people have to do, I, I think I'd be happier not being a leading man. <laughs> the friends so always up. have the better stories, anyway. I, I think that. Yeah, you know, they have I, the best backstories. They have the they get to be a little sassy and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the sort of I, the idea of that. Just someone who isn't in the spotlight, but just next to it, <laughs> just slightly, just slightly in it. Just that, slightly, that, that, yeah. That would do me. That would do it for me. So sort of like those actors who you always see in things, but you never really pay much attention to. <laughs> <laughs> That thing of, I want to be noticed, but at the same time, not noticed. <laughs> yeah, you want to be recognized for your work, but not necessarily yeah in the limelight. I get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you have been in, you've done an audiobook semi-recently. 
Um, did you, what's the process of that? Did you enjoy that work? Um, I, one for, I had to sort of self-produce them in a way. I had to, uh, which was a bit, the one thing that I didn't like, um, cause it is quite a grueling process. Um, when you're with a producer in an audio, uh, booth, uh, which is what <laughs> no one could afford, uh, which is why they left it to be, um, they, um, um, it's a lot more comfortable, um, and I imagine it would be a lot more fun. I found it's quite it's quite a lengthy process, especially when you're your own producer. So you have to listen to you sort of second guess everything you're saying, um, how you're saying it. Everything just doesn't sound right, and uh, unless you just have the confidence to just drive on, uh, which is what confidence can be given by, say, a producer um, in a studio. But, um, yeah, it's quite a lengthy process. I wouldn't say it's my favourite form of work. It is fun, but it does take quite some time. I'd love to do it in a more um, studio-based rather than um, just left to my own devices. But um, Professional, more of a professional hmm. capacity. Yeah, well, I produce them to a Right, 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 capacity, right. But, yeah. But, yeah, um, more, more a, guidance. Well, yeah, guidance. It's uh, so that you know I've got. I'm not working on my own, um, and uh, it's yeah. No, it's uh, but when it, but when just doing voices is is great. It's uh, just audio books. Audio books are fun because it does give you the opportunity to do as many voices as you want. Uh, the only thing is, it does take quite some time, <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a lot of uh, hours you have to put aside for it. But um, so voice it chapter by chapter as the author is writing it, you know. <laughs> um, well, they send that wouldn't really thing. work, but. <laughs> well, they send the full thing, and uh -huh. um, you and so I try and see, you know, do right. as much as I can doing a day, mm -hmm. um, taking rest, uh, bites for um, for uh, to sort my voice out, have some water, um, you know, and um, just and then resume the next day. Um, it's, it, but uh, in a studio, you're meant to do so. You can do it in such a... You seem to have the confidence because you're not second-guessing yourself. The producer will point out if you are. Um, if they don't like what they're hearing, they'll stop you. Or if they hear an error, they'll stop you. Um, whereas if you do it, you sort of take much longer on your own recording something. Mm -hmm. So it does, it does sort of come out, it comes about, but, um, yeah, right. it's, uh, it's a good, it, yeah, um, to all of my, uh, everyone I've done the audio book for, I have enjoyed reading your books. I really <laughs> have. <laughs> uh, it's just, um, it's quite lonely, I find, but I, I do, I love to, I love working with people more than I do on my own. Yeah, audio books sound like a, a fun thing to do. It just sounds like it's a, a long process, especially if you're uh, producing it mostly on your on your own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that something that you'd like to do more of in the future? If um... yeah, well, I've got um, the right of ones. Uh, it's got a follow up, which is. Uh... Uh, got myself in. Um, I believe that it, I'm in mind for the other two. Actually, they, they seem to be uh, <laughs> seem to both be. All of them seem to be series ones. So uh, they, it looks like there will be another mm -hmm. one at some point when they'll hopefully keep me in mind. 
I actually, no, I've had great fun doing some of them. Um, I think some of the really good stories are uh, Adam Exodus, uh, Rive Ones, Upper Tree. That was a that was a fun challenge. Uh, that one and uh, City of the Gods, which was my first one. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I, I will never turn it down. I I, love, I, I do enjoy it, and uh, um, I love it. Yeah, nice not to work on my own doing it though. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> And I'm sure, like, that's one of those things, too, that you kind of start with your own devices, and then as you move along, I, I'd, I'd assume that you'd start working with more people that would be able to issue more guidance, but maybe that's just too many assumptions. Yeah, I, I find it... Well, I always find, uh, with acting, uh, a performance is only as good as a few things. It's only as good as the script. It's also down to the direction as well um with um when you're left to do just the direction it's you know self-direct yourself um it can lack uh you know it's um one you because you overthink it you think oh that was rubbish do it again um or you would have to change it or you listen to it back and just something just won't sound right when you sort of because you're second guessing yourself you're sort of uh uh, picking yourself apart, whereas um, a director or producer even who, who, say, who says, "If I don't like what I'm hearing, I'll tell you," <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's that sort of it's it's nice to have that assurance, which is why I really enjoyed doing the Tom Baker audio because, uh, well, at first I was sort of a bit sort of I didn't hear anything, so I was like, "Did I do all right? Or did I do, you know, was was it all good?" But uh, the practice uh, is, he says, if I honestly, if I if I didn't like it, I'd tell you. And yeah. uh, so it's, uh, I think actor, actors want to hear that. You know, they they want to hear someone to go, no, you're doing fine, you're, or and tell you when you're not. Yeah. Mm. That yeah, that is reassuring because you know you. Without any feedback, it's kind of like well. Uh, crickets am i in how uh, how am i doing yeah exactly and uh, that's what that's why i always uh, i always read the comments people leave on any of the chat audios or the capaldi work and things like that because when i do it at the time i do what i can at the time and i'm never quite happy with it but i put it out anyway and um they and whatever feedback i get i will then take that on board if it's uh Within reason, if someone just says "shit," uh, then <laughs> yeah. I then I just go then I then I, then I just go right. Well, I'm not going to ignore that, you know. Right. But, um, the YouTube but, uh, comments don't don't read the YouTube comments like that. No. Yeah. No. It's uh, fortunately I don't get that many negative ones. You get yeah. the odd one now and again. You go actually, Fraser Hines is better than you. And I was like, all right, okay. Uh, but the rest of the <laughs> the rest of them just. Uh, I go by the feedback. If, uh, but the problem, one thing I didn't like, uh, the one thing I don't like is, uh, well, actually, I get because I get a lot of good ones on the trout and audios and things like that, and um, but it's not those ones that, that anyone pays attention to. I don't think. Um, well, you know, like everyone sort of, for every, you can have ten good comments, but one bad comment you'll focus on. It's kind of true, except I don't take it personally to heart. I look at the negative ones because. At least they're not telling me what 
they you know they're saying oh I really enjoyed it that was very good I want someone to go well actually you could have been a bit better and then I just go well actually I, I think well I agree because I never think that my work is done I think I can work on it anyway so I I keep myself myself open minded to go well what looking for those one in every few one in every number of comments that just gives some reason why they don't like it just so I can either see well if they say well Fraser Hines is better than you then I go right fair enough uh, but uh, I might just sort of just not you know take that on the chin but the other but if someone says actually he sounds a lot younger than he should be sound it should sound a bit older and I'll go all right then I'll, I'll make him sound older you know etc etc yeah so like uh critique that is constructive criticism yeah well, yeah because I mean it's it's like um some people really resent this online but uh, I've never understood why is uh I suppose because there's always going to be some people who say stupid and horrible things but if you surround yourself with people only people who agree with you or tell you what you want to hear you it's not really a conversation they're not really it's not really a true reflection it's pretty much like a cult. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's effectively what, you know, that's that again, too political Donald Trump, you know, <laughs> he, uh, his, uh, his entire, everyone he listens to are people he, you know, he surrounds himself with people who agree with him. Yes, man. Yeah. Yeah, he won't agree, no one else, will, and it's the same with British politics as well. Yeah. We've got some, and it's also some areas of people debating online they if someone voted one way they refuse to listen to them and uh side with only people who vote the other and they say they don't want to side themselves with a negative or a racist or something like that and they go well you're just generalizing and yeah you're only you're only you're not allowing for anyone to have a contra someone had if someone doesn't disagree if you had a discussion and someone disagreed with you that conversation could go on, and it's actually quite interesting to hear what other people think of your opinion. Uh, it's only bad when people don't uh, refuse to. They 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 stop listening. Yeah, yeah. When they they don't keep the conversation open, they just shut down completely, just based on like who you voted for or uh, yeah. what. I don't. What if not? Someone I, said, if someone voted for Trump or voted uh, Brexit here in the country, and my friend voted Brexit, I think it's a terrible idea. He doesn't, uh, but we, um, but we still meet up. We're still friends because we're not that narrow-minded. <laughs> I think he's a bit narrow-minded when it comes to Brexit, but that's a different matter. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, you just, if we spent the whole time, it, it, this is where everything goes wrong. It's just. Uh, if you just surround yourself with people who say yes all the time, you'd be, I don't know, Justin Bieber. <laughs> you know, there everyone telling, well, I think he's quieted down lately, but uh, <laughs> for a while, he just surrounded himself with people who said, he worshipped the ground he walked on. And uh, sometimes, I, and I, I think that's a very narrow way, a narrow-minded way of living your life. It's not a true reflection of what you can do. So always, I just listen to what someone else says, even if they disagree with you. Deep philo philosophical conversations here. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so you don't just do impressions. You are an actor as well. And I found a series that you did called Time Agent. It... Ha! <laughs> yep. Oh, yes. Time Agent. Yes. No, I know. I really liked that. That was good fun. I really enjoyed doing that. So can you describe what it is and what your role in it was? <laughs> um, well, it started... The series started off uh, it was by a friend of mine, Billy Tracy, who... Uh, uh, originally did a fan it was sort of like a fan Doctor Who thing but it was more of a fan Torchwood sort of thing um, and hence why it's called Time Agents and uh, and <laughs> uh, the first series was, I remember watching it and it just felt like, because I made the series when I was younger, much younger and watching his one made me feel like I was watching my own one because it was, and I complimented him on it. He knows it's he knows it's terrible, and he he dreads watching it or even thinking about it. But anyway, after that first season, he decided to do a second, and up the production values and storytelling and everything. And then uh, the third series, he went up up a notch again, and uh, I got to play the villain. It may uh, so it's based around. Um, uh, Time age, a team of rogue time agents uh, trying to prevent uh, a future from occurring, uh, thanks to uh, my evil character who's called the Executive. Hmm. But uh, what is interesting is actually that they uh, that they are bringing it back. They've confirmed. <laughs> what? Yeah. I did not know uh, that. Yeah, they've got uh, bringing it back. Um, I can't say uh, I. I haven't heard uh, if, what the plans are, mm -hmm. if I'm involved or anything. But yeah, no, uh, they they uh, they recorded a season four. Um, I wasn't in it, <laughs> uh, but uh, they recorded the season four, and then due to very unforeseen circumstances, uh, the they had to abandon it. And uh, but they've going to they're filling in the, the gaps and releasing what they've done. And I believe there's going to be a fifth season to close off, possibly. Wow. Yeah, wow. so if I do come back, that'd be a nice sort of thing. I'd have to get into a Mark Hamill sort of routine to lose weight to get back in the role. But <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and you also did uh, the Word of a Woodsman. Oh, Words of Woodman. <laughs> Words of Woodman. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, uh, our failed uh, TV writer, Norman P. Woodman, who uh, recently divorced, lives in a sort of student accommodation and uh, pitches a series about... Uh... <laughs> he's a terrible writer, but he's uh, one of his ideas is about a disabled rabbit detective called Hardly Hopping. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Well, you know, I'm really proud of that one. I think it's got some good performances in that. Right. And, uh, I, I was yeah. about to say, is this like the kind of thing that you can organize and kind of showcase what you can do on your own? Yeah, we well, we were, we were at university um, and uh, in a film course and Benji and I had this idea for a little series and uh, we filmed just the pilot one, put it out. It wasn't the best film quality version of it. It was on a what camera I had, it was, uh, it was terrible. But, um, 
but then people in the course really liked it and uh, they jumped in and said well I've got a better camera if you want to use it and uh, we just ended up making more and uh, did a whole series did do a second one but it got cut short because of because I uh, I left the university quite early so I didn't get to uh, finish the course and uh, the uh, yeah so we abandoned the series and then but then we but we did a couple of years later uh, get together to do a uh, finale nice yeah it was uh it seemed like it was a real kind of showcasing so that was that was cool now do you like writing because I was also looking at you wrote today's detectives yes yeah I wrote uh yeah I do uh, most of the, <laughs> I think I wrote most of the things I've um, done um <laughs> Um, I've been uh, writing something recently uh, as well, um, which I've pitched, which might, which is gaining a little bit of traction. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, today's detectives, uh, which I also acted in, um, the Troughton stories, apart from the last one. Um, oh, what else was there? Uh, some of Words of Woodman, uh, and. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've been getting back into my writing lately. I've just been uh, focusing on the acting so much that I haven't really had time. But uh, yeah, I do that. I do like writing. I, I, think, I need to get back into it. I think you're a tal- uh, talented writer, you know. So. Oh, thank you. I think that is, especially when you're kind of starting off with acting. I think it's very important to become a good writer because then you can mm. kind of write your own stuff and not reliant on somebody else uh to give you all of your acting gigs so that's yeah that's pretty much the only reason why i did it uh, opportunities weren't coming along so i made my own and uh i, I think that's the same for most actors uh, as you say uh most people um just uh they give themselves something to do. I mean, um, I think one of the best examples of, uh, in, in definitely in film history, is uh, uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon uh, wrote uh, Goodwill Hunting. Mm. And they uh, pitched that about several times because they just weren't getting a decent enough out- acting work. And they uh, kept pitching it about, and uh, the studios kept turning them down. If Well, they, no, they some accepted but they, uh, tur- but they, but they turned it down because they said we're going to go with different actors. And I <laughs> said no, no, no. We wrote this so we could do this, and it's uh, so probably the same with Kevin Smith and so on. But um, yeah, I think that's a, a great fact that they managed to get that made, you know. And uh, and sometimes it does it does help showcase the, your your potential. But it is also nice when you read someone else's scripts and then sort of. Rather than you've written your own parts, which is, uh, mm-hmm. it's which is a bit vain in itself. But uh, yeah. the, but if someone else writes something and you get cast in it, it, it's you sort of either compare and go, well, actually, this is much better written. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it would kind of be like a validation sort of, I guess, because mm. then you feel like, well, I didn't just write this for me. Somebody else feels like. This is a good part for me, so. Now, this is kind of an odd question, but as 
a voice actor and you're on the internet, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of ASMR. Uh, yes. Yes, I have, yeah. Do I'm you... not entirely sure what it is apart from talking very softly. Right. Do you find... furniture. Do you find it relaxing? Obviously a little bit odd, but... Um, I don't particularly know. Um, um, I, I've not really... I, I, I don't know. I've never really subjected myself to finding mm-hmm. out. <laughs> I, I think if you did a video... Uh, of one I think your take would be pretty funny because it it is kind of it is very odd um and some of them are uh some of them are interesting and some of them are just uh, a little oh 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 okay that's 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 what this video is okay (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah, it's, it is strange. Um, I, d- I don't know. I, d- I don't know who'd be interested in me just going, in, you know, just talking softly and then going, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rub- rubbing fabric or something. <laughs> um, if, if, if that gets you off, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just go crazy with it. Just talk softly and take your shoes off. <laughs> That's a bit too, bit too sexual. <laughs> That's a bit too risky. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're calm down. Yeah, they're they're strangely sexual, and it's kind of like, oh, what? It sometimes it's very disturbing. I'm like, oh, and but 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 it's but it's plain enough that YouTube does not take it off. So you know, it's just <laughs> it's just really odd audio and it's uh just people talking softly and it's, it's just very strange uh <laughs> yeah yeah no it definitely not definitely not my cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> we have reached the semi the semi rapid fire question round semi rapid Fire question round. Semi rapid fire question round. Semi rapid fire question round. Semi rapid question round. Shut up, shut it up, up, up. Podcast that you follow. Uh, talking tunes, and I need to catch up with David Tennant's thing, actually. <laughs> so do I. Um, I think that's about it, really. Uh, I'm not really. Uh, oh, and uh, I did do uh, one foot on the uh, one foot on the stool, which is about uh, um, sort of handling depression and mental health. Um, that was uh, that's quite a good one. Um, aside from that, now I don't really don't really get a chance to listen to many podcasts. Mm. Talking tunes always cracks me up, though. Yeah. Favorite voice actors or actresses? Um, Robin Williams. Uh, Rob Paulson, uh, John Coleshaw, who I mentioned earlier, um, Mark Hamill. I think they're yeah. the obvious four. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any phrases that you use to get into characters? Oh, um, sometimes, some of them. I have to try and uh, keep the voice in uh, 
uh, if I like sort of, I had to do like a Tom Hiddleston thing once, and it was uh, not the best impression of him, but it it's still started started talking like that, and then just escalating it from that point, and uh, something like that. Oh, it, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like return back. Then when I slip away from it, I go nope, go back to it. <laughs> uh, Troutland's become muscle memory now. Um, Alan Partridge is just uh, yeah, that one's muscle as well. Uh, um, I don't know, Master Wayne is a good one for Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like any old-time radio shows? Being, like, a voice actor, I didn't know if you were into any of the old styles of how they did audio dramas. Um, I haven't listened to many of them, uh, so I'm... I'm Mind to say no, but uh, no, there are quite there's quite a number that I do need to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Quite a number of them. I've quite heard, a number. I've heard like the odd bits here and there, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's um, but I do need to. I need, yeah, I suppose there's a lot I, I should catch up on, and there's plenty of years to do so. I mean, I've only heard like bits of Awesome Wells' uh, oh yeah, uh, War of the Worlds, you know. So oh yes, <laughs> so the, f- a, the yeah. most famous one probably of all. Are we gonna get any more impression karaoke? <laughs> uh, strangely, I do keep coming, coming, coming back to that. Um, I was uh, thinking about doing one earlier, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll try and do that. I need to work on a bit more, a few more voices before I could do that. But uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> All right. So, final few questions. Can you? Okay, my sister absolutely loves. The second doctor and oh my giddy aunt. Can you do that for me? She she she's gonna love it and I'll finally get my sister to listen. <laughs> oh good. I wonder <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. What what's her name? Faith. Faith. Yep. Hello, Faith. Oh my giddy aunt. <laughs> she would there we are. she would come home from school and and instead of saying oh my OMG or anything like you just hear her in the next room going, "Oh my goody aunt!" And I'm, I was like, "When did you pick that up?" It was just, you know, it oh. became part of her vernacular, and I think, um, you know, nobody else knew, nobody else really watched classic Who, so they were all just yeah. like, "Oh, that's that's Faith." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that you're working on right now that you'd like to take this opportunity to promote? Um, well, there's our, our podcast series of uh, We Sound Familiar. We uh, That's the name of our comedic group. Um, we're doing some convention circuits with that um, as well, and uh, hopefully doing some uh, live things later on. And um, aside from that, I've, uh, I've written something which I'm hoping will um, is, uh, is getting some attention and traction, so it may... Um, may have news on that at some point, so I can't really say anything at the moment. Um, working on a new drama idea for, um, but which is coming together, uh, a bit of a thriller. Um, but uh, I'll follow me on my Twitter or Facebook, and uh, I'll share that when that comes about. Otherwise, check out the big finished uh, Doctor Who comic strip adaptations. Well, I gotta say, I'm so excited to see what you're working on because honestly, everything I've followed from you has been pretty, pretty good. So, oh, thank you. You you don't let people down, so I'm 
That's a that's a good thing. Uh, well, I think I'm out of questions. Any comments, questions, concerns? No, it was a really nice uh, chat and it was wonderful to uh, speak to you. Many thanks to Chris for coming on the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I really enjoyed talking to him. As you can probably tell, I got excited way too many times, but that's fine. We're all passionate people here. I really want anyone listening to look up Chris's work. He does good work. He's such a modest man, but he does have a fan base because he does do good work, and so it's an earned fan base. I think Chris represents a motto that I've tried to live by. It's be so good they can't ignore you. I brought it up before on the podcast, and I believe that others see that in Chris as well. So, you can't ignore Chris, and if you do, oh my giddy aunt, get out of here. Seriously, go check out that audio drama that he did with Big Finish, and now that I've had my failed attempt at an impression, I'm outie. Bye! Hello! Please leave a review, a rating, a message, just whatever you can on whatever app you're using to listen to this. It really helps. I know from personal experience. And I really thank you for listening. I may not have a large audience because, well, loving the classics is kind of a niche thing. But I don't want these classics to die out. And that is why I need your help. Please like and share. This has been a Hope Sears presentation, darling.